to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast brought to you by Home Field Apparel. I'm Carlos. Joining me live is Avery at Brave Grapes. Good morning. Greg at Banana Morphs. Good morning. Grumpy boy Matthew Hubertson at No Pit Stops. Uh, Greg, 38-10 to 10 Utah, Oregon. I don't recall. What, remind me what that game is. Uh, it was, what, yeah, what it's very about? easy, very easy to forget. But this was back in 2021, you may remember, we all thought Oregon was going to beat the shit out of Utah. But then, what The happened? first time or the second time? This is the first time. The second time was 38-7, to seven, and that that's next week's background. But. <laughs> and for the last time, Reed at Pac-10 Reed. The real first time was 2019. We, we don't have to talk about that. It's fine. Shout out to those joining us live on YouTube. Like the video. Send us in your comments and thoughts and subscribe to the channel. Podcast listeners, thank you for tuning in once again. Be sure to follow the show and rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify. If you send us in five stars, we'll uh, we'll read your review. So send those in. Also, we have extra bonus Pac-12 football content on Patreon. Greg and Reed just previewed uh, the Oregon schools. Reed, do you have any uh, highlights for us from that? Yeah, I think our main takeaways were for Oregon State, uh, the challenge is really offsetting any defensive regression and just kind of leaning on that run game against a pretty favorable schedule. Not a lot of great run defenses in the Pac-12. Uh, and then with Oregon, you know, there's big questions on defense, offensive line, a new coordinator. But I think Greg and I both feel like if those bets pay off, the Ducks have a path to be the most complete team in the Pac-12. Interesting, interesting. Thank you for sharing that. So, Reed and I also got into a fight about an LA Times report about Oregon, if that sounds enticing to you. Go check that out on our Patreon. Or, hey, even if you just like the show and want to show your support, we would greatly appreciate it. Go check out our Patreon at notruckstops.com. Okay, time for football stuff. We got a jam-packed episode for our final preview episode of the 2023 season. We got Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. We got Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. We got Coach of the Year. We got Final Predictions and... Much, much more. But let's start things off by talking about the most exciting games, the most intriguing games on the slate. Every year we go through the slate to see what's working, uh, what what's working for us, what we're most excited about. Uh, so let's let let's start with the non-conference slate, and let's start with Reed. Reed, what's one game in the non-conference slate that you've circled as the most interesting to? Yeah, obviously this is a bit of a homer pick, I guess, but. The Oregon at Texas Tech game in week two, I think, is really important. Obviously, Oregon is one of those teams for the Pac-12 that's a primary contender that could make a playoff. And I view that game similar to what the Wazoo game was for Oregon last year. You know, Oregon should win, but it has a chance to be on the road, a game that gets a little sideways uh, and could kind of hinder Oregon's playoff chances early on because I think it's going to be really hard to make it through the Pac-12 slate without another loss coming. All right, so Reed going with the uh, homer pick. I think this is an intriguing one too. Uh, I think it's like t- it's it's on the road at in Lubbock, and no one wants to visit Lubbock. Uh, just you know the <laughs> it's a uh, it's like if Pullman were somehow even less eventful. Uh, and they've got the whole Tyler Shuck revenge thing going on. <laughs> like, that'll be fun and intriguing. I think we all think Oregon probably might win that game, but I don't know that it's a guarantee. So it's a pretty pretty good one. Anyone got any thoughts about Oregon at Texas Tech? Is anyone else excited for this one? 
I think that this is probably most important in the like perspective of the other non-conference games going on in weeks one and two. Uh, specifically, if Utah doesn't have a quarterback, right? Like, I, I think that that is kind of where you look across the slate and Arizona probably not beating Mississippi State. I don't know about Arizona State and Oklahoma State. And you're kind of looking across and all of a sudden seeing a lot of potential Pac-12 losses. So you really need Oregon to kind of banner carry in this one. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, for, for the sake of the, the perception of the conference, Oregon really should win that one. Avery, what about you? What's your uh, pick for most exciting non-conference game? Um, for me, it's Oklahoma State at ASU. Um, I have a lot of questions about ASU. I'm really interested to see what Kenny Dillingham is doing there, and I feel like this is a really great way to set the tone for their season. Um, obviously, they get Oklahoma State at home, which helps a ton. Last year, they didn't struggle too bad with Oklahoma State. I mean, it wasn't. No, they didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't super close. But like, they were kind of in the game. Um, Obviously, the team is very different now. But I am excited to see like if they're actually improving a consistent amount. I mean, it's early for them. Obviously, it's going to take them a while to like get to their full potential. But. It'll be fun to see. Also, obviously, since they'll be in the same conference as Oklahoma State next year, that adds like an intriguing aspect to it as well. Um, uh, another one that I'm really curious. You're right. Good point that ASU actually gave Oklahoma State a game and Oklahoma State. Well, I guess Oklahoma State wasn't that great last year, right? But I think that was one where we all sort of, I think, I, does anyone remember? Was that their 11 and one year? Wasn't their 11 and one year or whatever, right? They were bad. I don't they think they were great. that bad. I think they were just fine. Okay, I don't remember. Whatever, it's truck stops. Uh, that's a good one. What about you, Greg? What's uh, what's on your mind for most exciting non-conference game? Um, I'll 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 pick. I'll go Homer as well as Reed, and uh, I'll take Utah, Florida. I think that one's hugely important. Last year, a massive part of why the conference wasn't taken super seriously, at least in the first half of the year, was because Utah lost that game. And Florida just wasn't that good last year. Uh, Utah has to win the game this year because they're the defending champions. Florida shouldn't be very good in week one, especially. Uh, entirely new team. They're dealing with a ton of injuries on the offensive line that they completely <laughs> that they completely replaced. Uh, it is it's a game that Utah has to win. It's at home. I don't care if Utah doesn't have a quarterback. You win that game because if you don't, the perception of the conference is really going to go down because it's like one of these teams the Pac-12 is supposed to have that's great just lost to this like mediocre Florida team. I think it's, in terms of conference perception, it's the most important because I guess it'd be worse if Oregon lost in Lubbock, but that just feels like a less realistic outcome than Utah losing to Florida at home. And so, yeah. Matthew Hubertson, what do you about? What if, about you? What do you got? If if Nate Johnson doesn't have 17 touches in that game, I'm just going to be upset no matter what the <laughs> result is. So, you're right. You're right. Um, I'm just going to be very very angry. I'm changing my pick. I was originally going with USC at Notre Dame. Um, I think that that game is going to be very impactful on what the championship uh, of the conference looks like. Specifically, thinking about playing on real grass that is notoriously uh, usually cut a little bit long for for some of these rivalry games. Um, but I'm changing my pick. I am going, I thought somebody else would pick this. I'm going to Auburn at Cal. Uh, <laughs> this has 
the most amount of fuckery that could <laughs> um, I am ecstatic about the idea of Cal 100% losing to North Texas, 100% winning against Auburn, and 100% losing uh, against Iowa or Idaho, excuse me. So I, I love that dichotomy between the three, uh, the three teams there. I also am just kind of intrigued by the idea of, you know, Reed has talked about being Cal curious. Are we actually going to get a little bit of Cal competency this year? Are they going to be able to reach up and get somebody? <laughs> um, if they're going to, they need to be able to get Auburn in my opinion, or at least, at least really, really make them confused by the fact that there are in fact places and States on from the West of the Missi- of the Mississippi. So that's a good one. I, uh, our homie Trevon Daniels in the chat here said if uh, also if the Auburn Cal at Cal game is at night, which it is, that's a bad vibes vibes game all the way in Cal by night. Uh, Avery, what's your vibes reader saying about Auburn at Cal? Usually with Cal, my feelings are they're probably going to play it closer than they should and then not end up finishing, <laughs> like the same way they played Notre Dame last year. Like right. they were, should not have been in that game and they were, and then they like kind of blew it at the end and lost. And it, if you're a score watcher, you're like, of course, Cal didn't win. They're Cal. But if you watch that game the entire time, Cal was the better team, weirdly enough. So that's how I feel about Auburn. I don't know anything about Auburn, but that's just kind of what I'm, I've grown to expect from Cal. I'm looking up Auburn's schedule to specifically see if there's Owen 12 potential here. Um, for as, Auburn? As, is Auburn yeah, as, bad? We, as we know, Cal would be going across that. No, but the yes. SEC is good. Um, <laughs> so I'm just looking for that. Unfortunately, uh, the the SEC versus the absolute dregs of Division Four football still exists. So they do play Sanford, UMass, uh, New Mexico State. So no shit, that's their non-conference slate. Oh yeah, dude. Oh. Learn. I'm begging you to watch college football one time. That's every <laughs> single SEC schedule has three of those teams on them. <laughs> Every that's absurd one. that's absurd um okay that's a that's an interesting an, an interesting pick uh, i i went with one that i don't know that will be impactful but kind of interesting because of the context i have wisconsin at washington state week two i picked that because i think this is the first time uh a team a non-conference team is traveling to pullman for like a true road game in like 50 years or something like i think it's yeah i think they they do not go out to pullman like pullman is hard to get to they can't convince teams to come somehow they got wisconsin to do a home and home and so they went to madison last year and this is the return game i think this is like i've got to go fact check this i'll fact check this when someone else is talking should have fact checked this before, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure um, that that that's the first time in, in a long time that anyone's been to the Palouse. That's a that's a non-conference team. So kind of kind of weird. I like you know I don't I kind of am super low on Washington State. I don't know that they'll be very good. I sort of have them in like the two to three win range, um, but they could win this game just because. I don't know. I mean, Washington State fans are. I, I wonder if the word will get out. Like, hey, this never happens. You got to come out for this game, and they'll come out for it. We'll see. So that's my that's my pick. Um, they beat Wisconsin last year. Is Wisconsin supposed to improve? Does anyone know? I have no idea. Yeah, they they hired a new head coach, Luke Fickle, who's yeah, supposed to be a lot that. better and and kind of change the offense. So I think people are expecting improvement. I like that pick though, Carlos. It kind of reminds me. This is a deep poll, I guess, but uh, in 2018, Michigan State went to Arizona State, 
And like to me, Tempe is one of those places where if you're not a Pac-12 fan, I feel like it doesn't get the respect it deserves. And I always say like, play if you guys played a game in Tempe, weird shit happens there that you would not understand if you don't do it often. And Pullman is the exact same way, but no one else ever plays there. So it will be interesting to see if those like strange Pac-12 vibes again inflict a Big Ten team. Small correction, you can just say you can just say Oregon fan and not Pac-12 fan in regards to Tempe. (laughs) (laughs) Washington too. I have never feared Tempe personally. I said Uh, Oregon fan. (laughs) Avery, what Um, were you saying? Their the kickoff time for this game is at four thirty. So it could get weird. Reasonable. I assume that that Washington State fans will be there. They're pretty rabid. I feel like their stadium isn't very big, but like they like to get drunk and football is a good excuse for that. And a big 10 at a conference opponent is pretty big. So yeah. I don't know. It's I, fair. I'm excited to see that. I just refuse to believe that Wisconsin air raid can ever work. So that, that's, that's where I'm at on this game. Can't be worse does, than Graham Mertz. Can't be worse than Graham Mertz. Does mm. Luke Fickle run the air raid? Yeah. They're calling it the dairy raid. Uh, that's an ode to that sounds awfully close to a fart. Very raid against Wazoo. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I I just had some Cougar Gold cheddar cheese. They, I don't know, man. I'm not sure that the dairy is going to get much better over there. All right, a couple other games here. This is from our homie Sean Cross. Oregon State, San Diego State is interesting mainly just for the DJU piece and seeing just how complete Oregon State's team looks against a competent team. Kind of interesting. Oregon State does host San Diego State, uh, I think in week three or something like that. So that's a a fun one. Uh, We also have uh, one from Trevon Daniels. He says, UW versus Boise State could be a sleeper good game. Avalos has a surprisingly good defense and has a good offense. Either of those uh, pique any of y'all's interest, uh, either UW-Boise State or Oregon State-San Diego State, or you feel like these are sort of uh, run-of-the-mill non-conference games? I'm not interested by games where the G5 team should be a favorite. So, uh, you- oh, oh, what a hater. You think San Diego State <laughs> and Boise State will be the favors, favorites here? No, not San Diego State. Just, just Boise. Okay. Okay. That's the Boise State audition. one is juicy. That's their audition for the Pac-12. What Pac-12? What Pac-12? No, that's what Boise State's trying. (laughs) Uh, Other other games in the non-conference slate that y'all are intrigued by? Uh, Matt mentioned USC Notre Dame, but I'd like to talk about it just a little bit more. I was going to pick them, but I have a USC game for my most intriguing conference game, and I figured I shouldn't just go uh, with USC games for both. I think that's super intriguing because that's going to be the best defense that USC plays. And I'm really excited to see what that USC offense that we all expect to be maybe even number one in the country looks like against a great defense. Uh, it's that Those receivers are just so good. Caleb Williams is so good. Is the offensive line going to be able to protect him enough against this defense? It was good enough last year. You know, they really comfortably handled Notre Dame but this year I expect Notre Dame to be better you know in year two of Marcus Freeman I I don't know I I think that is one that a lot of people have been expecting USC to win 
maybe more than they should. I think USC will win, but I don't know that it is as automatic as I've seen a lot of people picking it to be. That's an intriguing one for sure, Matthew. Did you want to say a little bit about that one because you were, uh, you were, you had that on your list originally? Yeah, I, I thought Reed would be interesting and not pick Oregon, so I had to, I had to make sure. <laughs> got their love. Um, no, I Notre Dame has a real ass quarterback now. Um, they pull the Wake Forest quarterback over. I'd forget his name, um, but he can in fact throw a ball five yards, unlike the guys that they had last year. Um, so I'm just obviously there's definitely the concern of whether or not Notre Dame has anybody but me out there to catch the ball. But I think that against the USC defense, they should be okay. They should be able to score points. Um, and then also I just look playing on real grass that is long that, that likes to cause injuries and there could be a, a potential vital injury in that game. Obviously not rooting for it, but I just think it's a reality of playing those sorts of games. So, and it does, I mean, it also starts off that, that brutal stretch for USC. So, I mean, I think that if they go in there and, are able to put up 50 points in the first quarter and and coast the rest of the way, that sets them up much better than being in a dogfight. So. How are you cutting your grass, mate? You cut it long, you say? I don't have a lawn. I don't mow. But uh, do you cut your grass long? How do you, how do you like your grass cut? Yeah, when you're cool season grass, um, you got to make sure that you're long, especially during these really hot summer months. You need to shade the roots underneath so that you're not <laughs> overwatering. Um, we really want to keep that ground nice and cool and shaded so that we can – we want we want to conserve water. We want to make sure that we're being good stewards of our planet. I have and, a suggestion for much conserving water. water. I yeah. have. Really <laughs> if you're interested in conserving water, you should replace these terrible non-native lawn mixes that shouldn't even be grown in your region that you have to like do secret rituals over to keep alive. <laughs> One of the many native grasses, especially in the Utah region, there's so many native fescues that you would never have to water. And there's types that you can mow if you're into mowing that grow long enough that you can mow. There's Are you many trying options. to tell me Kentucky bluegrass is not native to Eagle Mountain, Utah? Is Please, that what you're to say? if you're interested in alternative grass options, you can DM me on Twitter and I'll help you out. I thought you were going to go with the lawn abolition stance there and just well, uh, it's, go with I desert say, landscapes. No, it depends on where you live, but there are a lot of native grasses and meadow mixes that you can use depending on where you live that are more beneficial for the ecosystem and pollinators and aren't just like an ecosystem <laughs> dead space i need our listeners to understand that our podcast almost broke up about this six months ago <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> having kentucky bluegrass is the same as just like paving your entire lawn that's right as if it's extra driveway space <laughs> And what I call it well, and like, oh, it looks so good. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> anyway, what a what a detour. Uh, these are our most intriguing non-conference games. These are the ones that we picked. Obviously, we talked about a bunch of others, but Avery went with Oklahoma State at Arizona State week two. Uh, I picked Wisconsin at Wazoo also week two. Uh, Matt actually changed his. He went to Auburn at Cal in week two, I think. Uh, but originally had USC at Notre Dame week seven. Greg had Utah at Florida week one. We didn't talk a lot about that one, but I do think it's going to be interesting for the Pac-12's perception a little bit, especially if Cam Rising is not playing in that game. And Oregon at Texas Tech, another sort of uh, uh, flag bearer playing in a tough non-conference environment. So going to be interesting. Those are those are some good, uh, good picks. All right, let's move on to talk about Pac-12 play. We sort of talked about the schedule a while ago, probably about six months or so. It was on Discord. I actually don't know if we ever released that as an episode. But it's a good idea to revisit it now, I think. Uh, 
is there is there a game on the Pac-12 schedule for you that you're circling, or is there a weekend that you're really focusing on that you think there's a lot going on uh, as as one that's going to be the most intriguing or pivotal to you in the Pac-12? Avery, how about you? Uh, you get us started on this one. Greg kind of called me out because he was like, "I don't want to pick two games of the same team," and I picked two games from the same team, and <laughs> I selected Oregon at ASU. Um, it's a very interesting game. I don't know if you guys remember 2019. I remember 2019 when Oregon went to Tempe and crushed the conference conference's playoff hopes. Um, I remember watching that game with bated breath because if they would have won that game, we would have had two one-loss teams in the conference championship. Oregon would have gone to the playoffs and Utah would have been in the Rose Bowl. And Oregon just had to lose to Arizona State. Um, that game's got this year has so, so many bad vibes, you know, Oregon schedule. We've talked about it a ton. We'll talk about it more. Like they can be posed to be a one loss team going into that ASU game, maybe even undefeated if they beat Utah and USC. And it would be just absolutely horrible if ASU beat Oregon. And I can't wait to watch that happen. (laughs) wonderful it would be wonderful i can't imagine anything i'd enjoy more (laughs) than oregon losing that game again uh there's just going to be utter chaos you know for the title game and what better way to do it than to have one of the teams we expect to i don't know at least me and reed expect to get to the pac-12 title game easier than the others it would be great for them to pick up another loss just to fuck everything up (laughs) <laughs> um oregon has played oh no this is oregon state at oregon state oregon state at an arizona state. i've got to look up the oregon arizona state m cubed but i'm pretty sure reed or, or, am i wrong there's a there's a bit of oregon has some trouble in tempe am, am i wrong here some just a little bit they've had yeah they've had a lot of weird games there uh they haven't necessarily well let's see they lost i just looked at the schedule they, they actually have in- not they have not, sorry to interrupt, they have not beaten Arizona State in Tempe in the Pac-12 era. It's only been three games, but they're 0-3. That is not true. Uh, they beat Arizona State in Tempe in 2015. Uh, that and game was... Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you're right. This is and a way. I've got the Oregon one. Yep, yeah. yep, you're right. All right. Back check. Thank you. The last two games. Come on. Vernon Adams erasure. How can you forget triple OG <laughs> I got in the reversed. desert? Got them reversed. Sorry Lobbing about that. it up to Dwayne Stanford in the back of the end zone. Come on. I'm very <laughs> happy you looked that up, Carlos. Thank you. The first nine, <laughs> times, <laughs> the first nine times these teams played, um, ASU won. That's weird. Back is all this, the way from 19... happening again? 1966 to 1988. Very interesting. Uh, yes, Arizona State is 2-1 and one against Oregon over the past three games, so I guess there's that, but that's an interesting one. I don't know. I feel like Arizona State, by week 12, the issue is like, when we get later into the season, these may be different teams. Not Oregon. I think Oregon will be fine. But Arizona State may have figured some stuff out by week 12, right? This is this is 12 weeks into the County Dillingham era. Um, I, I think they'll be more dangerous later on than they will be early as they're trying to get their bearings. So uh, it's an interesting pick. Uh, so Oregon at ASU in week 12 is Avery's pick. Greg, what about you? most interesting Pac-12 game or weekend that you're sort of focusing on? I've also got an Oregon game, but I'm going to go with, I think, the most basic of picks in Oregon versus USC. 
to me, those are the two best teams in the conference. And I couldn't be more excited for this game. I think Oregon's defense should be solid. You know, like last year it was pretty bad, but this year I think they'll be second best defense in the conference would be my guess. They've got a good roster. We we have our questions about Tosh, but, you know, I'm hoping Lanning can make that a competent unit. And then on the other side of the ball, both of these offenses are just ridiculously good. Oregon's receiver room is, like, in a lot of years in the Pac-12 until, like, this year, I would say that's far and away the best receiver room in the Pac-12. It just so happens you've also got USC. You've also got Oregon. I mean, you've also got USC. You've also got Washington. Uh who have elite receiver rooms as well. Ah, they, they lost Dorian Singer. I'm sorry. Uh, they, they don't get to be there anymore. But um, it's it's going to be a game where I'm, I just... Can the slightly better offense in USC overcome the better defense in Oregon? Like, Because they both have weaknesses and they, like, they both have similar strengths. I just want to know like what philosophy wins in that game. Yeah, I had we not go, realized go ahead, Matt. the defensive coordinator matchup there. That yeah, is, in that Tosh is, and Grinch. <laughs> I'm further intrigued by the fact of will they both still be calling plays by the time that game comes around? Um, I would I would like to know the odds on that. <laughs> um, also, that week, by the way, Utah at Washington. So, kind of a big week in terms of you know Pac-12 implications, especially late in the season. USC at Oregon, Utah at Washington. I don't know, those are four of the five or six contenders in the Pac-12 all in one weekend. That might be our version of Last year, I think it was, what was the big weekend that we were waiting for? It was like USC and UCLA and uh, Oregon, Oregon. Nah, I can't remember. It was one weekend. They were all playing each other. Yeah, yeah. There was a it was a bunch of stuff happening that one week. I think it was Oregon, Utah, and maybe, I don't know, USC and someone else. Utah or something. I don't remember. Whatever. There was a big weekend last week. <laughs> Got to go back and look at it, figure out which one it is. But this has the same feel. Like USC at Oregon, Utah, Washington could tell us a lot, especially in the penultimate week of the season or close to it. Um, could be could be super interesting. So, Matthew Hubertson, what about you? What's your what's the most intriguing game on the Pac-12 slate for you? I appreciate both of the picks that have been made. I think that USC uh, Oregon will probably be the most fun game of the season. Uh, similarly with Oregon and ASU, probably the most hilarious, uh, outside of Cal, obviously beating Auburn. Um, the most intriguing and like the most question answering to me is, is where I'm expecting Utah at Oregon state. Um, this is Mm. Oregon state's first test Utah going on the road. I'm assuming that Utah will have cam rising at this point, at least with maybe a week under his belt. Um, so I'm, I think that this is just a really good test to see where both of these teams are. Oregon state is a team that I very much can see specifically concerned, considering their schedule, (laughs) making it into the conference title game, um, to do that, they need to beat Utah. Um, so I think that that is definitely a very intriguing, very question answering game. And especially so early in the year, right? Week five, um, we get to kind of see the implications of that throughout the year. It's not just going into the final week of the season. So. I was just about to ask Matt what day of the week it was on. Oh, it's a Friday. <laughs> it's over. No, for sure. <laughs> I still think it answers questions, though. <laughs> it certainly does. It's a cursed game. That has to be, Avery, that's got to be like top oh, five yeah. in terms of oh, vibes, yeah. right? What? What were they thinking? <laughs> Why was there no pushback from Utah? I don't know how much say um, 
each like team or school has in the schedule probably not very much at all but i how that game ended up on a friday night in corvallis just shows how little the pac-12 cares about utah as a program we've talked about unequal revenue sharing are we certain that there wasn't the offer to make sure that there would never be a Friday night game in Corvallis again for USC and UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure that that wasn't on the table? Yeah, the about keeping USC and UCLA, they should have said that they would never have to go to Pullman ever again. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Uh, it's going to be... That game's going to be really interesting. A bunch of us are going to that game, are we? Yeah, I think several of us are. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be very, very, very weird. Uh, we'll find out how that uh, how that goes. I've I've got another Oregon State game here picked, but I think it's important mostly for the other team, obviously for Oregon State too. I've got UCLA at Oregon State. Uh, I, I think UCLA, I've talked about them as maybe being like 10 and two. If you're like really feeling like maybe USC, Caleb Williams is not going to be playing late into the season, maybe 11 and one. Um, I think that hinges though on UCLA beating uh, Oregon state here in week seven. By that time, UCLA will be four and one. I'm, I, I imagine I'm counting uh, at Utah as a loss in every possible scenario here. Uh, I do not think there is a chance that UCLA beats Utah in Salt Lake City. But um, I don't think that that would be the end of UCLA season or any of their big aspirations. But I think it starts at it starts with UCLA at Oregon State. Uh, going to uh, Corvallis, and uh, it's going to be a tough environment as it always is. And Oregon State's really good. We've talked about that. Uh, Oregon State might be the most balanced team in the Pac-12, assuming their defense takes only a small drop-off. Um, their running game could be very good. UCLA's defense is, uh, you know, it's going to be tested. That front seven is supposed to be very, very good. Uh, lots of experience, lots of production. But Oregon State, you know, their run game tends to blow some shit up. So I'm really curious to see about that game. I also think like the coaching stuff, like both Chip Kelly and Jonathan Smith are elite run schemers. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch those running games go at it. So I have UCLA at Oregon State as the uh, as my most intriguing one. By the way, week seven is another kind of big weekend because it's not only UCLA at Oregon State for me. It's also Oregon at UW is that week. So big rivalry game there. USC at Notre Dame, another rivalry game. Uh, I'm glad they put those two rivalry games at the same time. That's a lot of fun. And a sneaky good one, just for the sickos out there, Arizona at Wazoo, uh, the quarterback for Arizona who must not be named, visiting Pullman. Washington State fans do not like him from his time at Washington State. Felt like he quit uh, in the bowl game in his last season at Washington State. Uh, is he going to get a bunch of booze? I don't know. He should, but uh, we'll we'll see. So that's a week seven is really interesting to me as a as a slate. I, I need to add one more game. Um, I have to I have to say it. I'm looking at week eight. I'm I'm looking at UCLA going to Stanford. That game. Oh my! That game God. after Utah, Oregon State on a Friday has the worst vibes for me. And let me tell you why. No one expects much from Stanford this year. Like I genuinely wouldn't be shocked if they lost to Hawaii and maybe lost to Sac State. They're going to be bad. And week seven, they're going to Colorado on a Friday night, they're going to lose that game. It's it's going to happen. And people's expectations for Stanford are going to be at an all-time low. They're going to see that loss to Colorado, probably a blowout loss. They're going to say, this Stanford team can't do shit. And then we're going to turn around and see UCLA going to Stanford 
Stanford disease is real and Stanford disease is the most powerful when nobody expects anything from Stanford. And this is like the perfect storm for Stanford to upset a potentially, I don't know, what do we think UCLA's record is going to be at this point? One loss, two losses, depends. For maximum hilarity, six and (laughs) oh. If if UCLA is undefeated with a bullet, Stanford is beating them with a bullet. I can't Stanford. believe Carlos actually said eleven and one out loud. Like, I just <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, I'm just gonna. We got to get to Reed's pick here. Um, Stanford. Uh, Stanford. I'm gonna treat Stanford like I treated Colorado last year. There is zero fucking way that UCLA is losing to Stanford. I just clip that shit. Bookmark it. What? Like there is not a fucking planet well, where it. where Stanford beats UCLA. Thank I'm you just for the soundbite actually. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, please. Please clip that. There is absolutely no fucking way that any team that's worth a shit in the Pac-12 is losing to Stanford. Stanford will be bad. I think they will be 0-12. We don't have – it's not that people aren't expecting much of Stanford. It's that they shouldn't win a fucking game. They should not win a single game. So uh, I think Stanford disease died when they – like over the past two years, all these like crazy streaks that Stanford has of like beating teams – in like weird situations like oh they're they've won seven straight against oregon state in palo alto they've won six straight against washington uh they've won blah 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 like all those streaks are dead now like they don't exist anymore uh they had them for a while but they're gone you strength carlos so. power. this is absolutely adorable carlos <laughs> you are you are a Stanford disease anti-vaxxer, okay? You think it's like it's like with polio. We we eradicated polio like a hundred years ago, but now people like you, in being unprepared, not properly understanding the risks involved, are gonna allow Stanford disease back into our lives. Oh, uh, I, uh, okay. All right, it's not happening. If All right, you have listen to No Truck Stops podcast. You are entitled to compensation <laughs> if you by Stanford disease. Uh, Reed, let's uh, let's go to your pick. What did you, what did you pick for the most uh, most intriguing conference game? I'm taking the obvious pick, but I definitely think it's the right one. It's Oregon at Washington in Week Seven for so many reasons. I think the biggest one is. Both of these teams should expect to be 5-0 and going, to, going into this game. It's the first matchup between Tier 1 Pac-12 title contenders in my mind. Um, they both have a bye before the game. And I just think it's, it's going to be so unpredictable, and it will continue to be unpredictable going up to kickoff. Like We probably won't learn a ton about these teams. It'll be a close point spread if they're both undefeated. And it could go a lot of different ways. I think it could be close either way. I think either team has a path to win by two touchdowns if the other side doesn't figure out their shit, doesn't improve on defense. Um, so it's a massive game. It will set you know the competition for a Pac-12 title early on. It'll give someone a game in hand and the head-to-head tiebreaker and that rivalry. Uh, and it will probably give the winner like a top five ranking in the country. I mean, legitimately, they're both, what, top 13 teams right now, top 15 teams. And when you just inch up there all the way to week seven, if they're both still undefeated, uh, one of those teams is going to be in the early playoff picture, probably. It's a, it's a good pick. Go ahead. Sorry. I'd, I'd just like to apologize for ever thinking that Reed would be interesting. Um, I'm, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it's the <Yeah>. right pick. <laughs> so, sorry, Reed, just to... Just, 
just to be clear, just to be clear, Reed, you picked for your non-conference game Texas Tech, Texas Tech, and Oregon, and you've yes. also picked for your conference game Washington and Oregon. Yes, they're the okay, two. Just checking. Car- correct Carlos, picks. I pre- and yes. I appreciate what Carlos is doing here. You couldn't name a defensive back, so like I need you to let me Shut know this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, options were limited. I'm standing by that until I'm proven otherwise. Um, I mean, it's a good. It's a, he's not wrong. Reed's not wrong. It's a good game. I wouldn't say it's the obvious one. I think the obvious one is like USC at Oregon is probably one that's like the most obvious. But Oregon at Washington, fair. I think that's that's going to be. It's a big weekend. We already kind of talked about that. Um, and last year's game was so good. I mean, we're getting so many, we got so many great games last year. Like we were talking about like six of those games as just incredible classics, super fun to watch. We had USC, Utah, we had Oregon, Washington, we had Oregon, Oregon state, we had Oregon state, USC, which we didn't recognize as a classic at the time because it was so early on in the season. Um, and I think we're just getting, we're getting a bunch of those ones here in Oregon and Washington may very well be, uh, that same, uh, of that same variety, uh, another sort of classic. So I, it's not a, it's not a horrific pick. It's just, you know, you're picking nothing but Oregon games. I'm pretty sure you're only intrigued by Oregon schedule and no one else's. Um, but this is your first full season watching teams outside drone. We're really happy for you. My yeah. issue with this is Reed insists it's the correct pick. What what are the rules? How how is there a correct pick? Yeah, it's not even the third. It's not even a top two interesting Oregon game. Like it's, uh, probably not wrong. The thing though about it is that I just feel like our perception of what the Utah and USC games will change so much by the time they arrive. We'll know way more about those That's teams. True. With Oregon and Washington, like it's going to be pretty similar to it is to what it is right now, unless there's a crazy upset. Also, I'd just like to highlight, Carlos called Oregon State the most complete team in the conference. Well, they have balanced and lit- defense. Liter- literally couldn't <laughs> name a, a third player on their team a week ago. Um, I said balanced, but uh, that's fine. I mean, uh, there is no other team in the Pac-12 that that brings back a defense that had a defense they as don't. good last year. <laughs> Stanford is oh, bringing back one guy. Wait a minute. <laughs> No, Stanford no, I think I think balanced, balancedly crappy. Well, Oregon State's front seven should be. They're bringing back some talent on the front seven. The defensive backs, I think, is a, a, is a worry. But the front seven is is should be interesting. And again, like you know, coach wise, they probably have the most intriguing defensive coordinator in the in the in the in the Pac twelve. I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's reasonable. I Sean in the chat is correct. Oregon, Oregon State is is number one <laughs> on the Oregon intrigue list. You always love a Pac-12 championship game uh, preview. Yeah, that, that's always fun to be able <laughs> back to, to back weeks. Yeah, specifically when you have two teams that already know that they're going to be playing each other the following week. We might get a real vanilla, not really wanting to show anything. Maybe <laughs> this game doesn't matter a ton. Type of type of contest. <laughs> All right, well, let's recap our picks for conference games. Those are the non-conference games. Here are the conference games. Uh, Avery went with Oregon at ASU Week 12, going with some bad vibes, uh, maybe an upset. I've got UCLA at Oregon State Week 7. Matt's got Utah at Oregon State on a Friday night in Week 5. Greg's got USC at Oregon Week 11. And Reed went with Oregon at Washington Week 7. So lots of interesting games. I hope we get – I hope we get – close to the number of classics that we got last year because last year was so much fun so many of these those games were incredible watches uh i, I think it would be it i really hope for the last pac-12 football season ever 
we get uh, a lot of fun games. All right. Well, those are our most intriguing games of the 2023 Pac-12 football season. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Pac-12 awards and make our final predictions for the season. Don't go anywhere. This episode of No Truck Stops is brought to you by HomeFieldApparel.com, your home for officially licensed vintage college football apparel. Look, simply stated, this is the best collection of premium quality apparel going. Even Oregon and their unnamed apparel connections had to recognize this. And let me tell you, it might be the best collection I've seen yet. That old school duck cartoon against the vintage green shirt that Homefield has. It's it's absolutely perfect. Uh, I am wearing the Utah Interlocking U Rose Bowl logo. This is off a shirt I own. Uh, it holds up incredibly well to regular use and washing. And it's not just shirts at home field. They have joggers, dad hats, sweatshirts, hoodies that are all of incredible quality and with the best, most attractive logos out there. To get yours, go to homefieldapparel.com, find your school, or hit that favorite section and order yours today. All right, we're back. Let's move on to talk about awards. Reed, how about you take us through this one? Sure. Uh, the time has come to give our final picks for the Pac-12 Offensive and Defensive Players of the Year. In case you missed it, we did a player draft last week. Uh, many of those names, I'm sure, are likely to come up again. We'll start on offense and begin with Greg. Uh, Greg, are you picking Caleb Williams to repeat, or do you have another winner in mind? Yeah, I know yeah, Reed's not asking Greg Williams. to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could pick someone else, but like I get to go first, so it, it's my pleasure to talk about Caleb Williams. You know, last year he had one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen from a college football player, uh, and the assumption is that you know after another year, just he'll be better. Even maybe the production isn't quite as good, maybe it's not as historic, but I'm expecting to see like a truly special season of college football from him. The USC has all the tools on offense for him to do it. They've got the play caller, of course, in Lincoln Riley. They've got the receivers. Uh, just an embarrassment of riches there. The offensive line, from all we're hearing, should be better this year. Can they stay healthy again? Because I think they'll still have the issues they had last year with depth. Uh, we'll see. But if that offensive line's healthy, I think we're just going to see, like, all-time great maybe the best season ever we've seen from a college quarterback because he's just that good of a player like it's not often you see a player where a year in advance even like the nfl draft people who who hate college football who hate you know saying oh yeah we should definitely take tank for this person when even them are like yeah yeah you should tank for caleb williams like that's a special player so uh i I, i'm very excited to watch him nailed on he's going to be offensive player of the year for sure Here's my worry, and maybe other people are going to bring this up. And I think it's kind of out there. The whispers are out there. He gets one little tiny injury. Is he done? Is he done for the season? Like, I think that is not, that is a, that is there not, there is a non-zero chance that he eh, just tweaks that hamstring a little bit and is like, oh, that's it. I can't. Uh, and he'd be right to do that because, to your point, Greg, he is like an NF he is the bullet number one pick in the NFL draft in 2024. And we've seen time and time again players who are definitely projected to go in the first round that are locks, that are top 10 locks, top 15 locks. Those players tend to, I think, tend to be a little bit more cautious. So I, I do I this pick is 
it's the obvious one, but it's also kind of risky because I think there's a real chance that Caleb Williams, he's won a Heisman Trophy already. He doesn't have much else to prove. He could just sit. I think that's a, a real possibility. So We have some evidence to the contrary based on what a selfish teammate he was in the Pac-12 title game last year. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, I feel like he's proven that he's a competitor and I think he genuinely wants to play in the playoffs. So in my opinion, as long as USC is a playoff contender, I expect him to play through any injury woes, unless it's like obviously a serious injury. If, if USC has like two losses midway through the season, then yeah, maybe he'll take it easier, but I don't expect them to have two losses that early on. Like their losses are going to come closer to the end of the year so unless it's something serious i i feel like he'd play through a hamstring tweak matthew Everson, you were you look like you got something to say yeah football guy brain still will prevail um, <laughs> the idea of a player sitting out of regular season games where you had a chance at winning any sort of championship will hurt his draft stock so like very likely that he doesn't play maybe like a final game of the season if they're already eliminated from the Pac-12 championship game for some reason, but outside outside of the specific hamstring injury, like being retweaked or re-injured, I, yeah, nothing nothing of a tweak is going to keep him out of playing. Yeah, Avery, what about you? Um, this is a good question. Uh, the last player to win back-to-back Offensive Player of the Year in Pac-12 history it was Andrew Luck. Um, who deserved it. And I think Caleb Williams is definitely like on the same caliber there as Andrew Luck. But it, it just doesn't happen very often. And since this is a, a media award, and I think the media is full of dumb idiots, <laughs> I think they're going to have it in their heads that for some reason they can't nominate back-to-back players, especially if he doesn't win the Heisman again, or if he's not like expected to win the Heisman again they're gonna think he doesn't deserve Pac-12 player of the year which in my opinion isn't true at all I'm just saying the media is stupid and they think like that so I expect a quarterback to win there's too many high caliber quarterbacks in this conference for it to go to one of the skill players so it's gonna in my opinion it's gonna go to Bonix or Michael Penix whoever's healthy and whoever's team does better which one okay. you don't want yeah you don't want to put a stake in the ground here Bo Nix. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, a p- quick point about the Caleb Williams point and the Andrew Luck comparison. I really like that comparison. I will say, is Andrew Luck the last Pac-12 player that every that all the NFL people were like, "Yeah, you got to tank for this guy" because there was that suck for luck thing going on. Caleb Williams. I don't know. It feels like everyone's. This is like the first Pac-12 player since then that everyone's like, "Hey, you got to tank for this guy." Yeah. yeah, I mean the only I can't think of another. The only NFL prospect in the country since Andrew Luck that has been on Trevor uh, <laughs> has been on Caleb Williams level is Trevor Lawrence. You know, like he's very special prospect, and so is Luck. So it makes sense that the next person to go back to back for offensive player of the year would be Williams. Yeah, Bo Nix though, interesting pick. Uh, he looked really good last year. I think he had an argument in some weeks, in some weeks, as the best quarterback in the Pac-12, especially, you know, Caleb Williams sort of struggled against Oregon State a little bit because those DBs were, God, I can't believe that Oregon State was the only team that made Caleb Williams struggle. That's pretty crazy. Uh, (laughs) Georgia defense, indeed. It's frustrating (laughs) because I think a lot of times quarterbacks get credit for what their team accomplishes just because obviously they're 
Um, and I don't think Bonix is a bad quarterback. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, but I think like Oregon's success as a whole will boost Bonix into looking better than Caleb Williams. Whereas I believe that Caleb Williams deserves credit for how well his team did last year and how probably how well they'll. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think I'm up next here and I know this is always risky to do, but I am going to go with a wide receiver, um, <laughs> or a pass catcher. What happened uh, to Damian oh Martinez? God, pick me. I thought I, it's, it's God. been like a I, week. I <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I thought, uh, I, you're right. I should have picked Damian Martinez. I am going to pick Okay. I've said Damian Martinez. <laughs> I think Damian Martinez will be the one who wins it if it's not Caleb Williams, but I'm going to try to not talk about Damian Martinez. Cause I think for Oregon, the running back for Oregon state, for those who aren't familiar, because I already talked about him. I think it's I'm having a hard time choosing between <laughs> uh like Jalen McMillan, <laughs> Roma Dunze, I'll throw him in there too, and Brant Keithy. I'm uh, I'm really curious about I am really curious about Brant Keithy because we know we know that Utah loves itself a tight end. Cam Rising only throws to white tight ends. And Brant Keithy's back. Now I've heard the injury, he's we're not sure how far along he's coming. I don't know how much of the holes Kyle Whittingham. Well, Cam Rising's not look. You know, he's not he's not there yet, and Brent Keith he's not there there. I'm not sure how much of that is just like coach, you know, keeping secrets. Coach is keeping secrets. Oh, we don't want to give away that those two guys are coming along healthy. Uh, and I sort of think that Utah's for Utah's offense to thrive, they're going to need Brent Keithy to do well. The thing is, is that wide receivers and tight ends, first of all, I'm not sure the last time a tight end won the Pac-12 Player of the Year award. Drake London was not a tight end, but he kind of felt like it sometimes. Um, so I'm not really sure when the last time that happened. I feel like that's kind of crazy considering we've had some elite tight end play over the past few years. So I think I'm going to go with uh, – I think I'm going to go with um, – uh, I want to say Brent Keithy. Maybe Brent Keithy. I'm not ready to go there. Grapes is raring to go. Go ahead, I have Grapes. A, I have a historical stat. Since 1983, how many pass catchers do you think have won Offensive Player of the Year? <sighs> not many. I'm going to say two. Okay, it's five. So you, okay. you undersold it. But okay. it's it's Drake London is the only one in the Pac-12 era. Uh, Mark Lee. And Mark Lee, sorry. Um 2012 doesn't count anyways <laughs> like it, this isn't gonna happen especially if they have an elite quarterback on their team like these receivers win because their quarterback is considered ass like they're good despite their quarterback so yeah maybe Brant Keithy because I don't expect much from Cam Rising but other than that and an Oregon statewide receiver which isn't gonna happen <laughs> like their quarterback's just gonna get the glory for how good they are that's how it goes which is I don't unfortunate. Know. I could imagine, like, I could imagine that, like, I don't know. the The Oregon case is interesting. Troy Franklin, the best receiver on that on the team, I think. I could imagine Bo Nix leaning heavily on a Troy Franklin, and I know that Oregon. I know Reed that you think Oregon has a lot of depth at wide receiver, but I could imagine Bo Nix leaning heavily on Troy Franklin, and Troy Frank- Franklin is the one that uh gets a lot of love i can't imagine sarah's i don't think if it's washington like if it is jalen mcmillan or roma dunze 
if one of those just breaks out and has like a 1500 reception receiving yard season, I still think that's going to Michael Penix. But I do think there are some limited scenarios where a wide receiver is going to do it. There's just so much receiver talent. Like I just have a hard time believing that none of them are going to be in contention. Smooth brain media guys will always <laughs> give the glory to the quarterback <laughs> in every potential situation. There is no world where an Oregon wide receiver could win it over Bo Nix. They like Bo Nix way too much. Yeah, but that's, that's why we should be voting. <laughs> Give us a vote. Give us a vote, Matthew Hubertson, What about you? No, Where are you I'm, going with your pack? I'm, sorry, I'm not okay with just sliding past the fact that you said that Drake London felt like a tight end at times. He played tight end yeah, the year kinda, before. What's that? Didn't he play tight end in 2020? I I can't. I I mean, he. It felt like they were drawing up some tight endy type stuff to him. Like US, some, USC's offense is really weird, but they kind of were using him that way. I agree. Tight end jump balls down the sideline. Okay. Dalton Kincaid. Uh, Dalton Kincaid. <laughs> Dalton Kincaid. <laughs> <laughs> that was last year. <laughs> Where are you going with this, Matt? Uh, I mean, wins are a QB stat, so it's obviously going to be DJU. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm going Carson Steele. Um, I oh. do think that wins are a stat that does impact the Offensive Player of the Year conversation. Um, and I think that UCLA is going to rack up a lot of wins this year. Um, so I very much can see Carson Steele going for over 2000 yards this year. Um, and, and really, really, really having a big season specifically on paper, <laughs> uh, running back a pretty, a pretty safe pick. I think they have one pac 12 player of the year, six times in the pac 12 eras, Jerk Broussard, Zach Moss, Bryce Love, Christian McCaffrey, and Kadeem Carey have all won pac 12 offensive player of the year. So, uh, and there's some good running backs out there too. Um, so I think that is a, a completely fair and valid response. Anyone have any reactions to a Carson Steele? Carson Steele specifically uh, winning it? Feel like it's feasible? I like the I like the pick in terms of I think UCLA has a schedule that could get them into a Pac-12 title, and given the new faces at quarterback, that will that route will probably go through the run game. But I do wonder, because the buzz out of fall camp has been, is it TJ Harden or is it Carson Steele? I'm just not sure that he's going to get over that hump and and rush for 1,200-plus yards uh, as a kind of cutaway lead back in the offense. Yeah, the the interesting thing about the Carson Steele thing is there's talk about TJ Harden, who was a who was an underclassman last year. He's coming back and he's apparently done, had a really, had a really good camp. So, I mean, I don't know. We'll see if that ends up splitting, splitting some of the carries or if they're going to go full Zach Charbonnet and just lean on Carson Steele. But I think it's an intriguing pick. Reed, what about you? Oh, I I thought about Bucky Irving. Honestly, (laughs) I did think about Bucky Irving. I really want to, it's hard because I think, um, you know, Carlos's points about receivers were really interesting because there is so much talent in the league at the receiver position. But I think the problem is you look at the top three offenses and the issue is that they go two or three deep at USC, Washington and Oregon. And that makes it difficult for someone like I was pulling up what Marquise Lee did in 2012. It's ridiculous. For 1700 yards <laughs> and 14 crazy. TDs. Like Absurd player. That is insane. I don't think that anyone can quite do that. Like even if, even if McMillan has twelve hundred yards, Adunze probably has at least a thousand. You know, so it's it's tough to say. Um, 
But I'm just going to go with Bucky because I want to. Uh, I love Bucky. I'm I'm a Bucky supremacist till I die. Uh, I think the big thing about I think that the passing offense has a chance to be spread out. I think Oregon's run game has a chance to be very good, uh, and it's just about Bucky taking over a bigger percentage of the workload and actually scoring touchdowns because that was his issue last year. Is he didn't get goal line carries very often, um, but I'm going Bucky because because I love him. I mean, he's not a bad pick. He's not a bad pick. It's just that you've picked Oregon for every single thing so far this episode. That's the problem. But uh, I I think it's defensible. I, I think Reed makes an excellent point. Nate Ritchie, uh, Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. Please. That's, that's where I'm going with my pick. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, that's it for Offensive Players. Reed, you want to take us through the defensive players? Yes. Uh, we'll now switch to defense. The conference had a lot of talent, of course, leave from that side of the ball last season despite have not having very many good defenses uh, but there are a few key returners and big name transfers that headline the preseason depoy favorites we'll start with carlos's pick carlos are you staying on brand as a ucla honk can we okay we have all said by consensus that leatu latu is a favorite right yeah, does anyone disagree with that take that's not a bucky irving take <laughs> is that is that a consent can we we because we've all said that because i want to talk about uh, someone else is that fine can we can, yeah, okay all right uh i think there is a world in which usc's okay I, i'm gonna say this right now who won pac-12 defense player of the year last year does anyone remember i remember uh Thule. Thule, 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 Thule. Yes, uh, USC defensive player. Was USC's defense very good? Load of sacks. No. <laughs> no, it was not. Watch his defense. It was not very good. <laughs> I think there is a scenario where USC goes 11-1, and one, maybe even the untouched 12-0, and 0, and uh, they do it because their defense is, like, mediocre. Not shit Don't. like last year. Mediocre. And I think the person who will be the most visible in that scenario – don't say Eric Gentry. Eric Gentry. No. I do. No. Uh, I, I do think Eric Gentry has kind of a shot at winning Pac-12 Defense Player of the Year. If it's not Leatu Latu, I just think he mucks shit up over the middle all, with his size. He mucks, he and we mucks saw shit up for both teams. We talk about turnover luck a lot, and I think that is true and valid. What I, what I was thinking of doing, and I, what, I, what I'm going to do at some point, I think, is to correlate like team talent composite with turnover luck. Because sometimes the turnover the, the turnover luck that Eric Gentry got into was like absurd athleticism and length, using his length to like to to pick someone off. Like that's the like it was just sort of he had several highlight plays that just made me think like, oh shit, if he gets and he got injured midway through last year, I think we're forgetting that. Um if he sort of figures some stuff out, grows a little bit, USC's defense is elevated enough to be like a national title contending in the discourse talking they're talked about that way. I think they're going to pick a, I think a USC defensive player will absolutely get some votes here. And I kind of think it'd be Eric Gentry. I get that they have other players on there. They always have a ton of talent. I, I'm going to go. I, I would say if it's not Leatu Latu, I'd pick Eric Gentry. Okay. Don't, don't do turnover luck with team talent composite. Cause it's going to be biased to offenses that are scoring points. Okay, and fair. You're throwing the ball, you're going for bigger plays, you're going to have more turnovers. That's fair. It's a bad, bad idea. Okay, fair. You're done. 
<laughs> so I, I did go with Eric Gentry, much to everyone's chagrin. Oh my gosh, that's insane. I, okay. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think that, I guess the point of like getting a ton of interceptions is fine, I guess. I think if you're going for a bunch of interceptions, like you should go for Kalen Bullock instead. And if you're going for a bunch of sacks, like a Bear Alexander, some other random pick a five star that isn't, that is just a five star by body in and on the defensive line or something. So I don't know. I, yeah, I'm, I'm we're, we're going to be calm and we're going to move on. That's what we're going to do here. We're, Matt, we're gonna, you're, you're we're speaking of moving on. Deeply wrong. <laughs> speaking um, of moving on, Matt, it's you. Yeah, I'll be a honk. Give me Nate Ritchie. I don't care. <laughs> oh, um, God. My my guy's a blitz god. He's getting 17 sacks, about 73 tackles for a loss. Um, conservatively, I think, is is what the stat line is going to look like for him. <laughs> okay. Avery, what about you? You agree? It's a Nate Ritchie. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing about the Nate Ritchie uh, situation is that Greg doesn't think Nate Ritchie's good because Greg was 13 years old the last <laughs> time Nate Ritchie played three years. So he doesn't remember the glory that was Nate Ritchie. Um, I... I don't know. My issue with I'm gonna shit on the media again. This is Avery shit on the media. So <laughs> Jesus these Christ. these motherfuckers tackle good. Oh tackle good. Sack good. That's that's what they do. They look at the stat lines, they see who has the most tackles, they see who has the most sacks, and they're like them. Like it's it's so hard for a defensive back to win. Clark Phillips should have won last year. He should have yeah. won, but they look at his stat line and they're like, he didn't get 70 solo tackles. So <laughs> picking him, he's a fucking defensive back that nobody was throwing at because he's such a presence on the field. Like the eye test matters here and they don't watch the fucking games. So like, of course they don't know. So that's my issue with it. Like, obviously, uh, Latu is, is going to win this. Like I, the hype and at the, his production is going to be good enough that he wins this award. Outside of that, like there's just not a ton of amazing defensive players returning this year. And I want to pick a defensive back. I would pick Katan Oladapo, but like a defensive back's not going to win this award. So for me, it's like not even worth saying. So I don't know. I don't have another person. I just think okay. it's like going to be Latu with a bullet. Okay. And Kitana Aladapo, by the way, is the defensive back out of Oregon State, yeah, for those who, who aren't familiar with that name. So, okay. Avery's going with Leia Tulati, just going going with the safe pick. Greg, really what about you? I another choice. I don't think it's a safe pick. I think it's just the correct one, if I'm reading. <laughs> Greg, what about you? you going Listen, with? Are you, you going with the, there's the correct one? There's a zero chance that Nate Ritchie is Utah's third strong safety. Like, Don't act like you know what the depth chart looks like for Utah's defensive backs. Nobody knows. I'm not saying. I think. Time. I think all three of them will play. I'm just saying, if you were to put all of them into their best position, which is the strong safety spot, I think he might be the third best out of Sione Vaki and, of course, Cole Bishop. The, like Greg, Cole Bishop is Nate the Ritchie player. Play hundred snaps. What? Do, do you, I think he'll he play hundred snaps? Hundred snaps. I do, but I okay. don't think he's going to be tackles for a loss and seventeen sacks are in play. Then <laughs> I don't think he's going to be in his best spot because Cole Bishop's going to be in that spot because Cole Bishop's a better player. Uh, I think he's the pick for Utah. He is the only player for 
Utah and for most Pac-12 teams on defense that has a shout for being top three disposition in the country. Uh, and I think that means something. I don't think he'll win it like yeah, Avery it was talking about with the media. If he's top three in the country, the media won't give a shit. Exactly, because Clark Phillips was top three in the country. His position didn't win it. But uh, as a DB, it's hard. Maybe he'll have more tackles because of his style of play. But it's Leatu Latu. If I'm going to pick a Utah player because Matt upset me, uh, I'll go Cole Bishop, though. That's oh, not the wrong pick. If you're picking a Utah player, it's going to be Lander Barton. Barton. Yeah. Oh. The <laughs> <laughs> Reed, Reed just yeah, Reed's ready for that, though. Reed's <laughs> ready. Yeah, 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 Reed, agree. Let's see it. Yeah, I was going to pick Lander Barton. Um, <laughs> what a homer pick again, I, Reed. My goodness. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's tough because I agree with Law too as the favorite in some sense. I think no one no one has a path to equal his like sack numbers this season probably um at least one that's so apparent but i think barton's gonna be a tackle monster on the league's best defense so i'll i'll bet on that i will say if avery was truly a pac-12 media cynic she would have picked Jackson Sermon. I don't want to talk about Jackson Sermon. Jackson Sermon is reincarnate. I don't want to fucking hear it. You're right. You are right, though. They are going to choose Jackson Sermon. He's going to have 133 tackles of seven yards or deeper. They aren't going to win a fucking game, but he'll have all those tackles. Um, I, I do. Th- I, I I totally get the the argument here around uh, defensive backs. <sighs> I, I don't know. It sucks that the it's like this because you're right. I feel like Clark Phillips did get hosed out of Defensive Player of the Year, and not very many people talked about it either. Like no one was like, "Oh shit, he got completely hosed." Except for you know sickos who actually are, are watching these games and watching Clark Phillips take over. It feels like on uh, on defense. Really, what they should have, you know, here's the thing. They should have had Clark Phillips return a couple of kicks and, like, he breaks one or two big ones. He would have won Defensive Player of the Year. Like, he absolutely would have won Defensive Player of the Year, which is fucking stupid Cal sometimes. Cal never going to do that. Cal Woodham yeah. notoriously does not give a shit about awards or, like, glory or fashion. I don't know. <laughs> so i don't know i mean if, if i had to pick a defensive back i think kitano ladapo is, is a good one just because like oregon State's secondary was so fucking good last year and he was a part of that and i get that you're missing a couple of other defensive backs um but like i don't know if, if it turns out that he's the one who was like anchoring a lot of the the secondary for oregon state and is locking down a, a jalen mcmillan or he's locking down a you know a, a brant keithy gets in the way of some stuff like I could imagine that Katana Aladapo could have some moments. I also think this is a little a little riskier. Y'all are going to laugh. I think Asa uh, Turner, like no. he might for Washington. I think he could. I think Washington secondary could improve just enough to vault Washington into a, a different kind of kind of conversation. So I don't know. We I would try to. Braylon Trice, if we're yeah, going to mention. Yeah, I was going to say, if it's from. Yeah, I'm just, just trying to go away from Braylon. sack merchants. Chow Smith Wade at Washington State will will be like the best corner in the conference probably. Okay. Travis Hunter too. Maybe there's a world where Travis Hunter just plays defense and is absolutely insane. And I think because of the Colorado hype, yeah, maybe like maybe that could catch on. And being the number one rated, recruit, yeah, like that sticks with you. Oh, and tra- and Travis Hunter and and Travis Hunter has the like 
thing that I just mentioned that Clark Phillips could have had to win Defensive Player of the Year, which is he plays a little bit of offense. Yeah, if he yeah. just plays a little bit of offense and then <laughs> kicks ass on defense, he's going to win Defensive yeah. Player of the Year. You know Dion's going to let him because Dion's like, yeah. fuck yeah, let's go. I don't care if you get it. <laughs> 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 yeah. But also in fairness to Clark, he had like four touchdowns. Like, I yeah. <laughs> didn't matter. It didn't matter. It did not matter. Did not um, matter. Okay, offseason idea. We go through and posthumously like reaward defensive player of the year because we always get it wrong in the single season. Yeah, I like that's, that. That's we true. We go through the Pac-12 seasons and redo all the awards because we're correct. Um, but what Avery has said made me think that uh, you know one one real beneficiary of the tackle and sack merchant uh, discourse is Devin Lloyd. I hear what you're saying is that Devin okay. Lloyd shouldn't have won Defensive Player of the Year that year. What I'm hearing <laughs> is that you should go play in traffic. That's, that's, that's what I'm hearing. Anybody that watches Utah in 2021 and watches Devin Lloyd, like he passes the eye test too. It's not just a tackle merchant. Pick six in the conference championship. He made some game. insane plays. <laughs> he wasn't just making like three yard stuff tackles. Like, what is this? And then in 2022, how they couldn't stop the run with the exact same team minus him. Like, we always say about Offensive Player of the Year, it should be the best player on the best team, or like there's a good chance that it'll be the best player on the best team. Devin Lloyd was the best player on his team in 2021. That's true. So, that's fair. He's not just a merchant, he was the best player on both sides of the ball. <laughs> I just needed to make y'all mad. Okay, I just needed honk. to make y'all mad. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's move on. That's a good pick. Let's let's move on to make our final predictions for the 2023 season. Now uh, we've had everyone use our favorite site, PlayoffPredictors.com, to make projections uh, about how the standings in the Pac-12 will shake out. So here's how we're going to do that: we'll have each person quickly rattle off their standings. Uh, for those on YouTube, we'll have that up here for you to follow. And then after we've all shared, we'll all react to what we've put together. Okay. So Greg, how about we start with you? How did the uh, Pac-12 standings shake out for you? I've got. Oregon 1, USC 2, Washington 3, Utah 4, Oregon State 5, UCLA 6, Arizona State 7, Washington State State 8, Arizona 9, Cal 10, Colorado 11, and Stanford at 12. Okay. And just to be clear, he uh, as we're putting this up on YouTube, for those listening, Oregon and USC, uh, Greg has that 11 and 1, Washington's 10 and 2, Utah 10 and 2, Oregon State 9 and 3, and UCLA 9 and 3, just to give the top half of the of the conference there. Okay, Reed, you go up next. What did you land with? Yeah, I had Oregon and USC at the top, both at 10 and 2, Washington and Utah at 9 and 3 behind them. Oregon State and UCLA rounding out the top half at 8 and 4, and then Arizona, Cal, uh, Arizona Bowl eligible, per note, uh, Cal, Arizona State, Washington State, Colorado, and then Stanford. All right, that is Reed's. Let's move on. Avery, how about you? What did you get? Um, I have Oregon at the top with 10 wins and two losses, then USC 11 and one, Oregon State 11 and one, and then Washington, Arizona State, Utah, UCLA, Washington State, Arizona, Colorado, Cal, and Stanford. Can can we get a quick hit on UCLA six and five? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what game is getting canceled? They're just canceling the Stanford I don't game. Know what happened? <laughs> I was just looking at that. I think I think okay. they're supposed to be seven and five. I believe that's a typo. Uh, all right. <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> Matthew Bristol, what about you? 
Yeah, I have Oregon and Oregon State in the championship game. Oregon at eleven and one. Oregon State at ten and two. Um, then I have USC and Utah ten and two. UCLA nine and three. Washington eight and four. And then the Arizona schools both at six and six. Cal, Wazoo, Colorado, Stanford with only one win. All right, and. I have uh, no 11-win teams. I've got a bunch of 10-win teams. And as I was looking at the conference uh, record, I have a six-way tie for first, <laughs> which is not intentional, not intentional at all. Um, I have Oregon and Oregon State winning on tiebreakers to go to the Pac-12 championship game at 10-2. and I have UCLA and USC at 10-2. and I've got Washington and Utah at 9-3. and and then I've got Arizona State as bowl eligible at 7-5. And then I've got Colorado, Washington State, Arizona, and then Stanford and Cal rounding at the bottom at 1-11. and 11. So those are our predictions for how the season will shake out. Any quick reactions? Let's start with Avery first. Any, any reactions to yours or anyone else's? You want me to react to my own? Well, yeah, I mean, whatever. Or rel- relative to everyone I else. I mean, I think the highlight of mine is that I have ASU at 8-4. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, not that crazy. I have them 7-5, and so does Greg. Yeah. Uh, fifth in the conference is pretty wild. Um, Ka- Carlos has really reversed his stance on Cal. That's what I'm taking away from this. Carlos is one of the greatest <laughs> Cal defenders. And now he has them at the bottom of the Pac-12 at 1-11. Yeah, I do. Uh, and I think I, I went with Stanford. <laughs> 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 Wait, so shouldn't they be ranked above? No, no, no. Then? Oh, no, yeah, you're right. I, I don't remember. No, Stanford Auburn. beats Cal to stop. So that's Stanford's be- only win. That's Stanford's Stanford only win. Lo- Stanford's only win is Cal, yes. I have they lose, lose to, to Sac, Sac State. State. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel bad about that game. It's a, it's a Troy Taylor revenge game. I really do feel that way. So, Greg, what about you? Any reactions to how you, how we have the standings shaking out here? I mean, Utah 7-5 and five is insane, of course. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> this is how it shook out. I know. I, I, mean, does this, I do have a question. Does this, include, does this include an ASU win in Salt Lake City? Or is that game in Tempe? It's in Salt Lake. I picked... Um, utah to win that game i think okay um they i have them losing to baylor and florida i think ah. that's pretty reasonable that's pretty yeah. reasonable the quarterback stuff is weird and then i i just don't see them winning a non-con road game yeah i mean they've got to play usc oregon washington ucla oregon state i mean going two and three which is like not crazy at all that puts them at seven five yeah. so the, this non-conference slate, Utah has typically performed very well in the non-conference. Well, that's because they've uh, had non-conference for like, most of the time in the Pac-12. Yeah. This is their first hard non-conference season. That is very tough, yeah. Florida and Baylor back-to-back is, is really tough. So that's a that's a tough one. Um, Reed, what about you? Any reactions to how the Pac-12 standing shook out in our, in our playoff predictors inputting? Uh, I will ignore the obvious top line. You guys can read that for yourself. Um, I think he's referring to he's referring to the fact that we all have Oregon uh, finishing I, number one in the conference. I was going to talk about that too. Like so, congratulations, <laughs> Oregon, on finishing fourth or fifth in the conference. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, I, I wasn't even trying to draw attention to that. But I think the thing that uh, is most different between my rankings and everyone else's is 
all of you have at least three 10 win teams and Carlos, Greg and Matt all have four 10 win teams. I only have two of those and I have some of those wins, uh, you know, directly or indirectly reallocated to the bottom half. Like I have 10 teams winning five games or more. Uh, so I have the conference being a little deeper than the rest of you. So uh, I didn't make this on my hot takes episode because it's no longer a hot take because I was correct last year. I think we're getting five 10 win teams this year. I know I only have four here, but I do think that there's going to be a fit. And if we're including bowl games, I think there's going to be five 10 win teams. Uh, and that does not sound like a hot take. It sounded crazy to everyone last year. I mean, I made it, it on the crazy. hot takes episode. I think it was in, in 21, <laughs> right? Yeah, I said that in 2021 also. <laughs> but I, I do think that the the bottom of the conference can just be really – that's the thing. That's It hinges on how bad you think Stanford, Cal, Arizona, Washington State, maybe even Colorado are. And I think you make a great point, Reed. I think that there's that, – that Colorado will certainly improve. Arizona State will certainly improve. The issue with that is I think Cal will be worse than they were last year. I think Stanford will be significantly worse than they were last year. They were bad. And I think Arizona could take a step back. And I don't trust Washington State at all, even though I have them at five and seven. I don't know how I got that. So I don't know. I feel like some teams are moving up and then other teams are kind of dropping down. Um, so I, I, it's it's really weird to think about the bottom of the Pac-12 because it has changed considerably. Uh, Matt, what about you? Any reactions to how this is shaken out? The the Cal disparity is funny to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> we've got a five and seven, two three and three three and nines, and a one and eleven. Five and seven um, Cal is crazy. Yeah, that's yeah, nuts. It's, it's pretty brutal. Um, both Arizona schools just kind of jockeying right here for everybody. Uh, hey, did. not for me. Uh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> five, seven and five is definitely different from or eight and four and four and eight. Um, that'll for sure happen. I yeah. So I'm I'm definitely intrigued by that. Um. Otherwise, yeah, it is It is definitely a top six and a bottom six across the board. Uh, everybody has their top six in different orders and then their bottom six in different orders. But there is, outside of Avery, no crossover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, – we, we, we all sort of agree that Oregon State will finish somewhere – I think it's absolutely insane that in, in Avery scenario, Oregon State goes eleven and one and misses the Pac-12 championship game. <laughs> I, was looking, I was looking at that, and it's because I, I I assume it's because they don't play USC. I don't know. I have yeah, Oregon. Yeah. I have Oregon um, losing to UW. I think it is has to think. be a non-com it, game. For it, them. Has it has to be, to be a non-com. It has game. to be Texas Tech because if they if they have two conference losses, then Oregon State would be ahead of Oregon. Not if they have the head-to-head, right? Well, I mean, if they have the head, if there's a game difference, that's just a tiebreaker. I guess they lost to Texas Tech. Then. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "What the fuck did or I do?" Playoff here? predictors gave me the wrong order. Big I, time. I don't think I would have picked them to lose a non-conference game because packed back the pack and whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that was our picks. How about we just go quickly around and talk, say real quick who we think will actually win the conference uh, from your two teams that you picked. So let's start with Avery. Avery, you got Oregon at ten and two, USA at eleven one. Who do you think? Who do you think wins the conference? I per- the most about getting a Pac-12 team in the playoff. So I am very much focusing my positive energy on USC going 11-1 and and winning the conference championship so that we can finally get a fucking team in the playoffs for the last time the Pac-12 will exist. 
Yeah. All right. All right. Fair Anytime enough. Eric, you have the chance to lose by 40 to Georgia. You absolutely have to. That's do right. It. I don't think they would. Don't think they would. Sorry. I think they would. I don't. I don't think well, so. Carlos, uh, we. Carlos, what did Oklahoma do against Georgia a couple years ago? We've seen it. What did? What did Oklahoma do against LSU? I don't remember. I don't watch. They got bad. fucking yeah. hammered. It was like Georgia eight touchdown year. difference. Carlos knows what happens when USC has to play Georgia's defense. So, <laughs> we All right. know the outcome of that game. Yeah, let's uh, let's move on. So I've got Oregon and Oregon State here, both at ten and two. Man, I've got no eleven and one teams. Uh, I think me and Reed are probably uh, in sync there. Um, I, I don't know. I think I'm going to pick Oregon State. I feel like they just have some some like redemption hero arc vibes. The the team that's going to get fucked over by everyone's going to get its last laugh. I've got I've got Oregon State uh, winning that. Uh, Greg, you've got Oregon and USC at eleven and one. Who do you think wins that? Uh, for most of the off season, I would have said USC. As we get closer and closer to the season, I flipped that, and I, I think Oregon's going to win the conference. That's you picked. I think you picked Oregon to win the conference like every year since yeah. we started this podcast. It, it keeps happening. <laughs> it keeps happening. Does it? Keep, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Matt, you've got Oregon at eleven and one. Oregon State ten and two in the Pac twelve championship game. Who do you think ends up winning? Yeah, I am rooting endlessly for Oregon State to win it, but I have Oregon winning the championship. Okay. All right. And why do I even bother asking? Reed, you got Oregon and USC both in at 10 and 2. Go ahead and pick yeah. Oregon. <laughs> I'm I'm rooting endlessly for Oregon to win it and I have them winning. Yeah. <laughs> not a single not a single segment where Reed has not picked Oregon. For something like well, he's an Oregon I player for defensive player of the year, yeah. <laughs> That's and, true. And yeah, I will note the pick? Texas calling the Texas Tech game uh, intriguing is is not really a homer pick. I mean, I think that it That's could fair. be close. Yeah, it's fair. That's fair. No, you're right. Um, okay, that is our Pac-12 predictions for the year. Hey, if you have any thoughts, comments, go ahead and tell us. But for now, we've got some game predictions to make. Right, finally, we get that lovely, beautiful music. We get a game pick to go along with it. Uh, we're officially previewing week zero of the college football season. Only one Pac-12 game on the slate that week. It is San Jose State traveling to Los Angeles to play USC. The Trojans are 30-point favorites. Matthew Britson, who wins, who covers? Let's see if you're ready for the season. Uh, Sicko's game of the week. <laughs> oh, I'm oh. not ready for that. I don't have it. Oh, <laughs> don't have it. I got to find it. These two teams fucking suck. Don't watch week zero games. This is awful. Like, don't watch this game. I'm absolutely watching this. You're crazy. Okay. Have a great time watching seven minutes of Caleb Williams. I hope it is <laughs> worth your time. Um, yeah. USC by a billion. Like, <laughs> go spend one more night with your family before you completely ignore them for the next 12 weekends. Yeah. Yeah. This is it. You got until 5 p.m. Uh, on this Saturday, August 26th. Uh, Reed. Who wins, who covers? USC, 30-point favorites over San Jose State. I'm happy to say I will not be watching this live either. I have prior commitments. Um, so, yeah, I mean, USC is going to absolutely murder San Jose State. I think uh, they're going to win by 40-plus probably. And 
it, it's going to be a glorified scrimmage. Uh, and yeah, we'll see. I, I'm excited to push Mario Williams wide receiver one propaganda after this. <laughs> Avery, USC, 30 point favorites. Who wins, who covers? USC is going to win and cover. Okay. Greg, who do you got? USC is going to be, they'll, they'll score 50 in the first half. And then in the second half, when whoever they have a backup quarterback this year comes in, uh, they'll score 30 in the second half and it won't be close. Yeah. Yeah. I've got USC winning this one pretty handily. I don't know that. Uh, I think they'll, I think they will cover 30 points. I sort of feel like they're uh, going to do that thing where they just look really good. I mean, they did it last year, right? They beat the shit out of some, some bad teams early on and we look, we, we felt pretty good about them. So grapes, you got something to say before we head yeah, out? Yeah. We have to pick another game because as we all know, Ireland falls within PAC 12 territory. I oh. have claimed it. <laughs> That's I a good point. Ireland as a part of this podcast. And there is a game in Ireland this year. Uh, Navy Notre Dame. God, we really are a Big Ten podcast. (laughs) Neither of those teams are Big Ten schools, but that's okay. Um, That's happening at 1130 a.m. Pacific time. And Notre Dame are 20 point favorites. Uh, I guess I'll go first. (laughs) I don't. Uh, here, here's the thing. I know shit about these teams, so uh, I'm gonna pick Navy. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Love uh, Reed. Is Navy the service academy that abandoned the triple, or they're s- still uh, running? Navy it? is still running the triple this year. Army abandoned. Okay, great. If they're still running it, sure, I'll, I'll have them cover. Why not? <laughs> uh, Matt. Uh, the rules have been written to directly discriminate against our beautiful uh, uh, option running boys. Um, the only reason that we stay on the Surface Academy under for this game is because we are going across an entire ass ocean. Um, so I'm on the under for this game. I could not care less about any other bet. <laughs> I, I'll go Navy, whatever. Navy covers, whatever. Okay. I don't fucking know. Greg. <laughs> Um, I'm also on the under a Marcus Freeman versus service Academy free money. I don't care. I don't know what the number is. Take the under, but, uh, (laughs) as far as the two teams go, I think Notre Dame wins and covers, uh, they'll score 20 and Navy won't score. So yeah, we're we're putting under in the graphic. It has been too many years where other countries have wrongfully occupied Ireland. Irish people deserve freedom and they will not allow the Americans to Yeah, the fighting Irish will win. The fighting Irish all the way and they're going to cover. You're all forgetting that uh what 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 area of what region, what biome does navy cover? The water. What biome? And they have oh to God. travel over water. Hey, if the Hey. <laughs> Hey, I have nothing to say. <laughs> All right, let's ra- let's let's, let's hey, wrap. Let's go too long for this. I'll, I'll plan that and tweet it out. Oh, Take so good. Out. Let's end this nonsense. Uh, we are back on YouTube next Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific for our last preview episode before the season kicks off. And of course, we'll drop this into your podcast feeds on Mondays at 5 a.m. Pacific. For now, that's Avery, that's Greg, that's Matt, that's Reed. I'm Carlos. Thank you for joining us live. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to this channel. 
And lastly, thank you to Homefields for sponsoring this podcast. We will see you next week. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even right. Still and thick with smoke So thick it makes you choke The crowd vibes in The coffee's kicking And my patience to everything Said I'm lonelier Than a single sax On a quiet city street